Good evening from Plughead Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 527 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for Sunday, April 28th, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Samsung's postponing its launch. PC gamers are switching platforms. And Cinemia is leaving the country. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, on any of our live stream platforms like Livestream.com, Mixer, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube Live, or Facebook Live, on uh, any of the podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store. Uh, the myriad of others like Spotify, TuneIn, or Stitcher, or of course on our website, plughitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is most Sunday nights at about 9 p.m. Eastern time by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio during the show and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Abram and I always like to hear what the uh, what the viewers have to say about the topics as we talk about them. Uh, so definitely check that out. But if you can't join us live, that's okay. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe will show you all of our shows, including F5 Live and the Pilch Point, uh, plus shows like First Looks, which is the reason why we were off last week, um, and of course, many more, and uh, all of the different ways that you can subscribe. And with that, I think that's the spiel, Abram. How have you been over this last two weeks? I missed talking to you last week. Your mic is muted. Yeah, me too. Good. Um, you know, real good. Lots of stuff happening at the office. Lots of uh, lots of new product coming and preparing for less than a month. I'm leaving for Taiwan for my usual trip to Computex, and there's a lot of stuff happening in advance of that, and you know, we expect that to be a really big, uh, big event this year. Yeah, especially with um, some of the topics that we'll talk about during the Pilch Point in a little bit. <laughs> there's there's likely to be lots of interesting stuff at Computex this year, since we've yeah. we've got processors and video cards and all kinds of interesting stuff coming. Yeah, although some of it, the thunder may have been stolen. <laughs> By, uh, Indeed. This last week's announcements, uh, but there's other stuff that we have a strong suspicion will be announced. Like, you know, uh, obviously there's lots of rumors about AMD, um, you know, AMD rolling out its uh, next generation Ryzen chips at at Computex. Yeah. It's possible, uh, especially since AMD CEO Lisa, Lisa Sue is giving the keynote for Computex. So. Um, you know, I think there's a uh, good possibility of some really big AMD news coming out of Computex, but the Intel news kind of happened. Probably the biggest Intel news happened this uh, for the next few months happened this week. Uh, when, but we'll talk about yeah. that during the pilch point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but obviously, every time something like that happens, we see products trickle out after that for a while. So maybe we'll see some yep. interesting stuff on that at Computex too. Um, for for the the viewers who don't know when when does that happen this year so computex starts 
The press day will be Monday the 27th, which I think is Memorial Day. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm not asking you to feel, uh, the audience to feel too sorry for us, but all of us at Tom's Hardware will be spending our Memorial Day weekend uh, working. Anyway, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the press day is Monday the 27th, so we'll start probably our reporting then uh the first official day of the show is the 28th so we can expect the last week of of may to be um, yes <laughs> last week of may will be will be the big week uh last year computex was first week of june mm-hmm. so they've moved it uh back a week uh although in prior years it was the end of may so i think they're just going back to to normal whenever they could get the facility yeah, you would think that they would be able to get the facility uh, when they want to because Computex to Ty- is a big deal in Taiwan. Yeah, the president of Taiwan attends it and stuff. Wow. So, you know, it's they're very proud of the show. So I would think that they would be able to keep getting the venue. <laughs> just me. Yeah, you never quite know with that stuff. Uh... Uh, obviously, on my side, uh, we were off last week because most of the uh, Plug Hits team was actually in Houston for the first World Championship Houston edition because this past week has been the first World Championship Detroit edition. Uh, and for for those of us here in Florida, uh, the Houston championship was, was a really big deal. Um, one of our one of our very local teams um, for First Tech Challenge here uh, at our studio, uh, they're in the same county, actually won the First Tech Challenge championship uh, in Houston, which was really cool, uh, the BoomBots. And then uh, the Chairman's Award, which is kind of like the highest honor a team can, can get, was given to... Uh, uh, exploding bacon, which is out of Orlando. So this was a, this was a really big, de- big year for Florida, and it was it was exciting to be there, especially considering how many, how many of the teams that we've had on our first looks series over the years have, uh, have had big years. Um, in Detroit, one of the the Dutch teams, uh, the Rembrandts, which we had at the Orlando Regional a couple years won the championship there so it it was pretty exciting and for me it was my first time at championship in uh in 20 years my last time there was 1999 so it was uh it was cool to be back there and uh we are working out the idea of huh we are working out the idea of being uh doing first looks from there next year so that's pretty exciting so in addition to first looks, actually, when we got back from Houston, uh, we were greeted to some some new review products, including the one that's here in front of me. If you've been a longtime viewer, you will recognize that the first that for the first time in almost ten years, I have a new microphone sitting in front of me. I have my old one sitting next to me, but I have a new microphone sitting in front of me. Um, if you've watched our our uh, CES coverage in the past, you know we've interviewed. Uh, neat microphones a number of times and I have officially changed my microphone from from a uh, 
my old one to this one uh, as part of a product review. So far, I'm in love with it. Uh, it's it's way better and way more uh, sensitive to my voice than the the old one ever was. So I'm loving this thing. But obviously, we'll be publishing reviews uh, over the next couple of weeks on this and the other four that are all sitting here in the studio with me. <laughs> because there's this and a smaller version of it. There's the B-Caster, which is actually designed for the thing that we do, but the thing that we do is bigger than what most people do. Um, it's actually the equivalent of what Avram is talking into right now, uh, the microphone that's in front of him. The B-Caster is, is Neat's version of that, and there's a smaller version of that as well. So uh, I can't wait to do these reviews. Uh, but uh, I definitely want input on what people think about my sound quality uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks while I use this one and the other one because obviously that'll be a big part of the product review. But I guess with that, let's uh, let's get into some news, shall we? Great. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a uh, uh, up to $400 off of the Surface Book 2, which is obviously a favorite of mine with one sitting here in front of me, um, you're looking for a new laptop uh, where you can save up to $350. You're looking for the all-new Xbox One S All-Digital Edition with no optical drive. You can pre-order that right now. And a whole lot more, not just Microsoft stuff. If you're looking for the Samsung Galaxy S10 or the Note 9 or VR and uh, mixed reality headsets and a whole lot more, you can find them all by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. And the one thing we never talk about during that promo is that students get 10% off at the Microsoft Store with a valid uh, ID or a .edu email address. So uh, definitely, definitely worth looking into if you're a student. Um, speaking of Samsung stuff, <laughs> this week has not been uh, great for them, or the, I guess the last two weeks has not been great for them uh, PR-wise. Um, I guess it was probably about 10 days ago or so while we were gone that a bunch of reviewers received their Galaxy Fold review units, and within uh, 24 hours, the first report came in that the screens had cracked. And it did not get better from there. Um, in fact, a number of different sites posted photos of the cracked screens on social media, um, ranging everywhere from from cracks like at the bottom at the seam to uh, like full LCD panel loss. Uh, and and that, I mean, that's obviously that's not great for them. It was one of the things that we were all, that everybody in the industry was worried about, right, Avram? Was that what was gonna be the durability of this? And that is not a great starting point for them. So I have a, um, you know, uh, we don't really review a lot of phones at Tom's Hardware, but my colleagues at Tom's Guide do, mm -hmm. and they sit like 
you know, right behind me. So they got one. They did not break it. But I think it's very interesting to note how the news cycle. So first of all, it almost goes without saying, but it does that Samsung really screwed up. They should have they should make a better product. They shouldn't have unleashed it to journalists before it was in decent condition. Mm-hmm. And their plan was to unleash it on the public. So uh, two days, even, two days ago, right? Friday. Yes, it would have been out. So they probably have like a million of these things. I don't know, however many they produced sitting in a warehouse somewhere that now either they have to do something to refurbish if they're trying to fix it or they have to, I don't know what, toss you know, toss into a pile with the exploding battery Galaxy Note sevens, um, but so that almost goes without saying that they did. That the the core problem here is that it's a poor quality product, and right. no matter how they rolled it out, if the product is a poor quality, it's going to catch up with you. Yeah, but and they almost certainly, it's almost certainly poor quality because they tried to rush it to market because they were scared of Huawei and a couple of other companies that had products that were theoretically going to come to market before them, which is a dumb reason to panic. Right. So, so that's, that's one problem. And obviously, uh, obviously, uh, you know, the, whatever they did with journalists, it wasn't going to solve the problem, but I, I find it really interesting that strategy that they took with their review program. Mm -hmm. Uh, Forgive me to getting into the inside baseball of how people review products, but I think this might be interesting to, to our, our uh, viewers who, who do not work in tech journalism. Mm -hmm. So um, normally with a big product like that, uh, a product launch like that, they will give, they will have reviewers that they send the product to. They, and they will do it like, uh, you know, a few days or a week in advance of the uh, release, but then they will set a review embargo of, okay, we're giving you all this phone on Thursday, but you can't publish any any anything about it, even the fact that you have it, mm-hmm. uh, until either the day of the release or maybe it's the day before. But you know, so so what would happen if they had? But in this case, they chose not to put an embargo on it. And they also didn't really give people very good, um, very good, very, you know, I didn't see what exactly they got, but they didn't give them very detailed uh, reviewers guides, Mm. whatever, to tell them how to use the product. So, uh, so, so here's something to keep in mind. The fact that they chose not to embargo it, if it had been under embargo, I don't know if the news about the breakage gets out before launch. Right. Because... What will happen is so normally if we get a product, uh, you know, and if a reputable, uh, you know, reputable uh, journalism publication, like a reputable tech uh, tech news outlet gets a product to review and the product is defective, their their first impulse, their first instinct, particularly when it's under embargo is, oh, man, I'm going to contact the company and say, hey, this broke. Can you send me another one? Or can you explain why this broke? And almost always the co- almost always the companies will have an excuse. Mm-hmm. They'll say something like, oh, I'm sorry. Yours must be a pre-production unit. 
And I've heard that a, a million times, even if the model, even if the product's been out for like three months. Uh-huh. Oh, yours must be a pre-production model. Let me send you another one. <laughs> then, then they studiously look for one that maybe isn't broken and send it to you. And then you're left with a dilemma. Well, how much of a big deal do I make in my reporting about the fact that I received a defective one? Right. Maybe it was just me. Maybe it was really a pre-production unit. When I'm doing reviews, my job isn't to represent just what I experienced, you know, as a journalist with early access to something, but what the reader would experience uh, if they received it. So when you get a product from someone and it's defective, you don't know whether, you know, you're the only one that got a lemon, whether it's because it's an early version or something, or whether the entire product line is, is junk. Right. So... If you get something that breaks, if you get something that's fundamentally poor build quality, then you can usually say, well, okay, this is just not well made. Right. But, but what happens, but what happened in this case was, I believe the verge was the first, they actually went and they tweeted out a picture of their broken screen. Uh huh. So, you know, I, I have to say normally for us, the first thing we would have probably done is call Samsung and say, Hey, our screen broke, you know, and then inevitably the company usually says, Oh, Oh, that's just you must be just yours. I'll send you another one uh-huh. now, and and you may end up in you know you may end up in an, uh, and I've ended up in some bad situations because of this because then they send you they don't send you another one for two weeks and then you're you're late uh-huh. or you don't report on it because you think it's just yours and then you find out later actually it was everybody's uh-huh. so so what happened here was usually was, usually sitting in line for a press conference at CES or, or Computex or <laughs> right. You don't normally, so there's not normally a lot of gossip, uh, going on. I mean, there could be, but, um, uh, between journalists reviewing something uh-huh. that their stuff, uh, broke, but what happened here, and it's, if there is, it usually doesn't, you get out into the public so much, but, um, you know, in this case, I think somebody like The Verge decided to post their picture, and then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of other outlets saw it, who had received it, and like, "Hey, mine broke too." Right. Uh, so now there are two different issues at play. One is that a couple of the units just genuinely had a defect. Mm-hmm. Like you open the, like you opened the folding part, and I think one of them, one of the two halves of the screen just started blinking or something. Mm-hmm. Another one, I think the hinge or something broke. Uh, like. That's just straight defect. Yeah, but that's but that's everything that's mass produced has a failure rate, and that falls into that category. But but what you don't know is how often that happens. Right. 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 So if that only happened to those two, yeah, I mean, if yeah. that only happened to those to those uh, reviewers, anyway. Right. But then two of them had another issue that that you could argue is user error. But the user error stems from poor design. Right. So there it was a plastic, uh, plastic, what do you call it? So, uh, a, a clear f- plastic sticker, basically. Yeah, a film over the top. Film over the top of the screen. Now, on most phones that you get and take out of the box, there is something like that. Uh-huh. And it's to protect it, the phone, while it's in the box. Right. Because, so, because Samsung can't control what's going to happen when they hand it to FedEx. Right. So you peel that off. Yes. And so if so if you're reviewing something or if let's say it got out of the public and they bought it uh-huh. and they see a sticker on top of it, 
their inclination is going to be to peel it off to get the real screen underneath. Mm-hmm. The sticker apparently was necessary to hold the thing together. Yes, crucial to the to the stability of the hardware. This is a two thousand eighteen hundred dollar phone that's held together by a clear plastic sticker. Uh huh. So yeah. So you could argue that this was user error, although apparently nobody told the journalist not to peel it off. Right. I was going to say, if you're going to argue that it's user error, then you're going down. We're going down the same, the same road that Steve Jobs did with the yes, iPhone you're holding, 4. You're holding it wrong. Yeah. You're holding it wrong, right? But, but the other thing is, you know, let's say uh, a friend of mine who used to do PR for Samsung, uh, my friend Ethan Raziel, uh, wrote an article for the, about this topic for PR week, I think. Hmm. And he said, oh, they should have, like how Samsung's messaging failed, oh, they should have made sure they gave the reviewers better training and a reviewer's guide. That's all true. But let's say there was a – but but what if you're giving journalists something and they've got to read, read this detailed instruction to know not to peel it, uh-huh. what happens when you're shipping it out to the masses? Right, exactly. Because here's the thing. I just bought new phones uh, Friday, and I can tell you without a doubt – that the the people in the store took the sticker off of one of the devices while we were there. The 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 salesperson did. Uh-oh. Now, to be fair to Samsung, I've looked at this phone. We had like I said, we had one in the in the office, mm-hmm. although Samsung has taken them all back. But I saw it and it's not such a blatant sticker like it doesn't look exactly like the stickers that you see when you take a new phone out of the box. It's a little bit more tightly stuck. So you really got to work at it to peel it. So that might be an indication that like, okay, maybe you're not supposed to peel this because it's not so easily removed. You know, you got to like stick your fingernail under it probably and really like dig it. But once you get, but once you try and get that corner up, it's never the same again. Right, right. If you get the corner up, you, you're done. But the, 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 point, the point is, it's not quite as... I'm sure that the people at Samsung didn't think that it was not obvious to people that they shouldn't be trying to remove that. Right. But that's just generally poor build quality. Yeah. Like, I don't care if there's a flashing red neon sign that says, don't remove the sticker. Like You're still going to get 1.5% of the population that's going to do it. There's still going to be people who are going to do it because it's intuitive that you would. Uh-huh. And the other thing is... Because we've taught, we've taught them since 2007 that smartphones have a film on them. You take the film off. And then an $1,800 phone should not be held together by a sticker. Yes. Like, that's that's the bottom line. It doesn't. It should not be held together by a sticker. So, you know, it's unfortunate that Samsung got all this negative publicity about this phone. Uh... But uh, better that the journalists uncover it mm-hmm. than that they had to ship these all out. Then they had to deal with the customer service calls. You know, the journalists actually did them a fa- the negative publicity did them a favor. Yes, because the publicity of a hundred review units out in the wild having problems is way better than a Galaxy Note Seven again. Which, right. which is where this was headed if they had launched this device on Friday. Yeah. So now 
this says some really bad things about Samsung's quality control. It says some really bad things about their design and about their rush to market uh, and, and, you know, about the communication strategy. But I can't totally agree with, hey, if they just gave people better instructions, this wouldn't have been a problem. Nope. The problem is they designed it in an unintuitive way. Right. Yeah. It Because you, literally you and I made fun of Steve Jobs when he got up there and said it was BlackBerry's fault that your reception sucked because they taught you to hold your phone wrong because that was dumb. <laughs> and it's just as dumb to say that it's Apple's fault that you pull the thing off your screen. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> It's it's yeah. it's what everybody knows to do because we've been for those of us who have had smartphones since before the iPhone, you know, I've been taking plastic off a smartphone screen since like oh three. It's it's just so you what you do. It, when you think about it, the human body also has this intuitive design flaw because you get scabs and it's really tempting to pick them off. <laughs> I, and you know what? I think that is possibly the most appropriate comparison that you could have possibly made <laughs> because that is with the, the note seven being so unbelievably recent, they definitely gave reviewers the ability to pick a scab. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. Anyway, obviously, um, there's content out in the wild, a lot of content out in the wild on photos of these screens and articles about it. Um, what you won't find is a, um, a teardown report because Samsung asked iFixit to take theirs down because apparently the device that they had in their possession they probably shouldn't have had anyway, which is an interesting situation. Uh, but... Like Avram said, Samsung has taken all the devices that are out in the wild back. They have delayed their release of the device until at least June. Um, and who knows what that actually means. So, <laughs> the device is in limbo right now, is I, is what it means. We're, yep. we're in limbo and there's no telling what the next step will be. But the thing that I can promise you is we will let you know what that next step is when it happens. This week's uh, Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're building a new computer or upgrading an existing one, Newegg has all of the parts and pieces to make that easy for you. Whether you're looking for a motherboard and processor, hard drive, power supply, or full-built systems, you can find them all with Newegg. And there are daily deals. Um, right now, there's an Asus ROG uh, laptop on sale. There's hard drives and RAM and all kinds of stuff. And like I said, they change every day. So you'll definitely want to uh, check out those deals. And the best way to do that is by going to pilchpoint.live slash Newegg. So, speaking of uh, computer components, Avram, this has been quite a week for news about computer components. Yes, well, and, and when you think about it, news about systems, too. So, um, you know, so 
uh, Intel has announced uh, announced its ninth generation H series processors for laptops. Uh, that means that you that means that gaming laptops uh, game these are first of all the first ninth generation. I put that in quotes because that's that's their branding marketing term. Not that the ninth is that much different than the eighth, unfortunately. Ninth generation uh, laptop chips, although they have had ninth generation desktop chips since the fall. Um, and these are the 45 watt H series chips, which are used in gaming laptops and uh, mobile workstation type of laptops like a Dell XPS 15 uh, or uh, maybe a MacBook, but I don't know if Mac, MacBook Pro uses it, but uh, well, they don't use ninth gen, obviously. But uh, so anyway, 45 watt processors, and that means anytime Intel announces new processors, all the laptop vendors immediately come out with new um, with new laptops. So so you know, I'm sure Intel gave them these processors a while ago because they have them out and ready to go the same day that Intel announces it. It's not news to Asus or, or Lenovo or Razer or MSI who all made announcements. Um, you know, so, and the other PC vendors that we have in our announcements from on 9th gen uh, powered laptops, I'm sure we're going to hear very soon. Uh, oh, and, oh, Acer also, I think we heard. So the, um, but, but let's step back for a second. What is the 9th gen H series processors and what's, What's new? So the new thing is that the highest end processor, the Core i9, uh, is going to have eight cores and 16 threads. Uh, that is that is the, the Core i9-9980HK. That is the uh, highest core and thread count uh, for, a, for a mobile consumer processor. Uh, that that has ever come out um, and uh, it also has a boost clock speed meaning it can get up to five gigahertz uh, before you attempt to overclock it uh, provided of course that the, the laptop has decent cooling so that's the high end of the line and then you've got you know a core a couple of core i7 models a couple of core i5s and those drop down to six cores and twelve, uh, or four cores and eight for the core i threads for the core i fives. Um, all of these are fourteen nanometer uh, Coffee Lake refresh uh, code uh, chips, which means they have the same architecture as last year's models. The same Intel architecture as last year's models. The Coffee Lake refresh architecture, and by the way, the Coffee Lake refresh architecture is only a slight modification from the i think skylake architecture that came out a few years ago mm -hmm. so this is all still 14 nanometer uh processors everyone's waiting for the 10 nanometer processors you're gonna keep waiting for for quite a while um uh, especially to come into you know gaming so um uh, so in the meantime intel has made these modest improvements uh, by increasing the clock speed, increasing the number of cores. Um, that's 
that those are really the the main the main improvements that they've made. They're not uh, there's not a lot of of new capabilities there. Uh, when Intel, um, you know, announced these, uh, their big thing is look how much faster these are than a processor that's three years old. Now, hmm. that's that's accurate. That's a, a decent comparison if you're talking about consumers who buy a new laptop every three or four years at the best at most, right? They don't. People aren't buying a new one every year. But it's not – but if you really want to know whether the technology is advanced, that's not a good comparison because it's not telling you whether if you have a choice between a model with last year's processor and a model with this year's, whether it really makes a difference. Um, and, you know, obviously we haven't had a chance to, to benchmark these. They just were announced. Um, but, eh, you know, it sounds like the really big deal here is not that they've come out with new chips so much as that the new chips uh, are an excuse for um, vendors to come out with new laptops. And the new laptops will have other new features that you really w will notice and care about for sure. For example, Asus came out with a bunch of new Zephyrus laptops, it's thin and light models, and these laptops now have screens that can refresh at 240 hertz. Like, that's a lot, right? So you're talking about if you have 240 frames per second, your screen can actually keep up with that. Um, you know, these... Uh, so these systems really, you know, you're getting that kind of a refresh uh, to go along with the processor. Um, also of interest, there's a new a new mobile graphics. There's a new graphics card around. Uh, Nvidia just released its 16. Uh, I believe it just released the 1650 graphics card, which is its low end mainstream. So, uh, so really, there's you know there's more there's more stuff uh there's more more stuff happening another thing that i think is really huge is uh asus just announced the zephyrus gga 502 say that five times fast <laughs> that is uh their amd powered the first amd powered gaming notebook in a long time if ever um it uses amd's new uh new high wattage uh, Ryzen processor and uh, but NVIDIA graphics uh, and it's a really really affordable deal you can get it for 1099 with uh, with a 512 gigabyte SSD um, you know and and 8 gigs of RAM or 1199 with 16 gigs of RAM so uh, and so that's very powerful so uh you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out. Uh, I definitely encourage people to check out the coverage on our site of some of the announcements, but obviously we'll be getting in these laptops over the course of the next month or two as they actually hit store shelves and uh, be able to really evaluate them. Very nice. And and so, okay. So the, the, the new laptops have just have just been announced, right? Like, or have some yes. of them, nothing's hit the market just yet? No, May, uh, the new, some of the new Zephyruses 
are supposed to ship, I think, May third, May 1st or 2nd. Okay. So, so very soon. Uh, we, uh, the AMD model uh, is supposed to ship, but, you know, we looked at, uh, you know, we looked at it and we said, oh, if this is out today, we're going to the, we're not going to wait for Asus to send it to us. We're going to go to the store and buy it because we really, really uh, want to test it. And, uh, and no, it wasn't, it wasn't out yet. It, uh, all the shipping says, I think May 3rd. So, uh, so you can't buy these, you could pre-order, but you can't actually have in your house. Uh, probably not anyway, uh, any of these until like probably another week or two. Uh, but we're very, uh, you know, it's very close. Gotcha. Um, uh, I think we should pluralize it. Zephyr. Yeah, <laughs> Zephyrai, Zephyruses. It's, it's we decided to pluralize uh, Surface with Surfi a number of years ago. So I, I say, uh, I say, yes. I say we go with the same. Yeah, the same they're like here. They're like five Zephyrai right now. Um, so uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, Asus also released some new Strix, Strix, and gaming laptops. But uh, the Zephyrai are the ones to keep your eyes on. Oh, that's just fun to hear. I like hear Zephyrai. <laughs> oh, all right. And so obviously you guys have have articles on all of this stuff. Right? Yes, yes. On Tom'sHardware.com. Also a review of the new uh, GTX 1650 graphics card. Ooh. Nice. I have not seen that yet. I look forward to seeing that. And. Obviously, as always, thank you, Avram, because uh, you keep your your finger on <laughs> on the pulse that the rest of us just can't do. So, <laughs> thank you. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and console are available from Razer. Whether you're looking for a new keyboard and mouse, a con uh, controller, a webcam with uh, chroma key built in, or you're looking for a full system like the Razer Blade 15 uh, available up to $500 off right now and a whole bunch of other deals. And uh, you can find out all of the things that Razer offers by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. So, um, speaking of PC and console, an interesting report came out this week that I think has a lot of people confused, or at least surprised, um, and... The report says that over the next three years, by 2022, as many as 20 million PC gamers will switch from uh, gaming on a PC to gaming on a console or smart uh, television, which is definitely an interesting assertion. And if you look at the just the numerical evidence, 
you can understand how they might get there. The idea that, you know, Microsoft and Google are working real hard on these high-powered game streaming services that would allow you to play, honest to God, modern AAA titles through just your television. Okay, I can see that. The idea that, that uh, you know, PC hardware has has like we literally just talked about in the pilch point even with even with brand new uh processors coming out they're a moderate improvement over the past we're not seeing we're not seeing the leaps and bounds that we saw a decade ago right um so you put that together and you go okay looking just numerically it would make sense that people would at least stop buying new exciting gaming PCs uh, and maybe you'd see some of those people switch to other platforms but it's hard to believe if you know actual PC gamers yeah so this is interesting to me because it makes a lot of sense what they're saying on the other hand, uh, I have a vested interest in people continuing to <laughs> to get to be into PCs. So, uh, so I hope they're wrong. Uh, I also hope they're wrong because, you know, having a PC, having the power in your own hands, mm-hmm. so to speak, uh, is is really compelling. And we see so many things moving to the cloud and moving to a walled garden and catered experience and your PC is like, you know, you control, especially when you can build your own PC. But mm-hmm. even if not, you the PC the PC platform gives you so much flexibility over your experience. Yeah, from a technology uh, standpoint, it's like the ultimate expression of of you. But so that's why I like the PC experience and I like it to, to continue besides the fact that that makes up the majority of the readership of, of our, <laughs> uh, of our website. Fair enough. But, uh, but, uh, you know, the, the report that, that, that the wind is blowing in favor of some of these other things. So like, you know, game streaming is getting a lot better mm-hmm. and there's a lot of effort behind it. If game streaming is good, why would you spend good money on, you know, thousands of dollars even on a gaming PC when you could just get like, you know, use a set top box or the crappiest, you know, the crappiest uh, PC around as long as you have a decent internet connection. Uh So, so there's, there's a logic to that. Uh, There's also logic to the fact that consoles are much more economical Mm -hmm. than, um, you know, than, uh, than PCs are like, yeah. You know, you have a $500 uh, computer and you can't play anything better than Candy Crush on it. Right. But but, but Microsoft launches an all-digital edition of the Xbox One S for $250 and it has zero limitations on the games it can play. It can play every game for that platform yep. and those games are pretty good. So, like, pretty good quality graphics and everything like that. So, it's... To be honest, it does kind of like beg the question of like, why should I spend thousands to play games when I could spend a couple hundred on the hardware? Um, and if you ask that question in any PC gamer group, you will get lots of answers and be called names. But 
and and it's that that calling names that makes it really difficult to believe that that many people will switch from PC to other platforms. Now it might be the case that it might be the case that those twenty million uh, more people are people who aren't PC gamers now, right? But you know the market goes where there's growth, so you could say that like, hey, the people who are diehard PC people are going to stick with PC for a while. Although once the market starts to move and you can no longer get the games that you want for PC, mm. then it becomes much less compelling. Like, though the the battle for PC gamer attention is stronger today than it's been in the last 25 years. Yes, right now. It is. But what ha- but what if like 3 years from now uh there's really compelling cloud services gaming? Yeah. You know. It it uh, seems like they would make that available to the PC as well though, right? Yes, yes, but it doesn't really at that point you don't need the PC to be very good, so True. You know, so, so so you'd certainly be less likely to to upgrade the PC you already have. Yes, you would be less likely to upgrade the the, the kind of seek. Spe- I mean, you might enjoy being able to control things like your your desktop environment and things mm-hmm. like that. But um, but ultimately, you're not going to get the you know if performance no longer matters for the majority of people because they're game you know they're playing yeah. games in the cloud right. You know, what does that do to the entire ecosystem of people selling video cards and, you know, people selling $3,000 Zephyri laptops and things like that? That's a lot of, you know, that's a lot. That's a market that would be severely hurt. Um, And it is kind of a shame that some of the companies that actually benefit the most from PCs are trying to push people into the cloud, like Uh NVIDIA. Uh, has its own game streaming service, uh-huh. um, but Nvidia actually stands to be hurt the most if game streaming beats out um, beats out uh, individual sales of video cards. So, um, I don't know. <sighs> be it maybe because there's still going to have to be there's still going to have to be video cards somewhere. There's yes. going to be in a server farm somewhere. That so, is exactly so. If they if they can actually, interesting, Nvidia may not be the ones to lose out, but their partners that actually manufacture cards based on their specs may, because Nvidia may may start building like very specific server farm related hardware, and then all the companies that build cards based on that spec get pushed out of the market. I mean, I get what you're saying, and I should I should say that one time I actually was at a Q&A with Jensen Wong, who's the uh, CEO of NVIDIA, and I asked him this very question uh, about, you know, don't, aren't you worried that game streaming is going to hurt your, it's going to, you know, hurt your video card business? And he said, no, he's not worried because, because he's still going to have to supply the hardware for the servers. Mm-hmm. But while that is true... I have to ask how many servers there are in the world compared to individual PC users, right? Like it would, one, pro- it would probably be 
it would probably be a smaller number of of actual NVIDIA processor or NVIDIA spec hardware pieces out in the wild. But my guess is that that like Microsoft would do more frequent refreshes on on like their Azure farms for for X Cloud or whatever they're calling it than than you or I would do on our video cards. Uh, only if they really see uh, major functionality change, probably, right? Like some of the things that there's been a lot of controversy about, like should people buy, uh, you know, RTX video cards? Is the ray tracing good enough to justify the price? Like, mm-hmm. my, you know, companies that do cloud gaming that run server farms are going to be very conservative about that kind of thing. They're not probably not going to jump yeah. on the bandwagon. For new technology so quickly that's true that yeah right. that's that's for sure it, it'll definitely yeah. be interesting to see how how that plays out for companies like nvidia um for for all of these reasons obviously it's it's the it's it's an economics conversation right it's it's supply and demand and you know theory theory is all fine and good but it doesn't matter until you put it into practice. Now, if you're a if if you're a fan of AMD and you wish that company well, as I know we have many AMD fan, really hardcore AMD fans who read uh, Tom's hardware, mm-hmm. uh, they're they're in good shape because mm-hmm. they provide uh, they provide the video cards for. Uh, I don't know if it's for both PS4 and Xbox, but I think they, it is. But I think, yeah, I think so. They're sitting pretty mm-hmm. because they're, um, and I think there was a rumor that the PS5 will be powered by them. So I think, uh, I think Sony may have actually confirmed that. Right. So in other words, consoles, console sales are very good for, are good news for AMD. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily good news for the PC ecosystem, but good news, good news for AMD. For sure, uh-huh. yeah they they have long benefited from <laughs> from uh, consoles. So you know, but cloud cloud gaming, you know, it really makes you dependent on, you know, it means it really makes you dependent on on a third party uh, and not really controlling your your destiny, but. The counter argument to that is most games have some component component that uses the internet now uh, that can't really run without it. Right. Um, and uh, a lot of people don't want to worry about how good their hardware is. They just want to play the game. Hence, so the, I hence think, the rise of the console gaming in the first place. Right. So I think, I think that this report... I don't think this report is wrong. I think the people who are really into PC gaming now are not likely to switch unless the ecosystem leaves them behind and yeah. the games they want to play no longer come out for PC. But they're probably right that the growth in new gamers will, there will definitely be a lot of new gamers that come onto these more affordable uh, platforms. Yeah. The other thing to keep in mind about about these other platforms, cloud and, and console, is they're more family-friendly. Yeah. Um, if you have kids and you want to play with your kids, um, 
you want to play in the living room. Uh-huh. And yes, you can pull, you can hook your PC up to a TV in your living room, uh, but it's just not as catered an experience yeah. that's good for kids. You you want your kid to play. You may not, maybe you don't want them messing with your three thousand dollar computer. Right. So. So and, and it's pretty hard to do anything to say an Xbox or a PlayStation. You know what I mean? It's it, right. it's it's hard to do something that'll harm that. Right. Like I let my son go. My son since he was like 4 or 5 has been able to turn on the PlayStation and use it um completely. Uh-huh. Uh he could do that before he could read at all. So you know, and there was no real concern about what's going to happen to him when he's using this, right? Or what's going to happen to the PlayStation, right? So yeah, there's there's definitely lots of reasons. Uh, it's it's the reason why the console. I mean, yes, there are a lot of people who play PC games, but the console is definitely where game companies are focused. Even today, I mean, we've just seen Microsoft start start putting a focus back on PC gaming in the last eighteen months after ignoring it almost entirely for 15 years. Uh, so, so you know, the, the consoles definitely, I, I agree, the console and smart TVs and things like that as cloud gaming becomes useful. I think that's where all the growth will be. But the, the assertion that PC gamers are going to switch to consoles, I, numerically I can understand it, but, oh, it's a misunderstanding of that. <laughs> Of that group of people. Yes, and uh, God bless them because not only are they, uh, you know, a, a great community, uh, but they're they're really standing up for people having, you know, the power in their hands in yeah. their homes. Uh, so you know, I hope there continues to be a vibrant uh, PC uh, PC gaming community for a long time to come. But I I don't think that console is is going anywhere but up. Yeah, agreed. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities like, uh, I think it's just called Floats. I'm not entirely sure. So let's go with Space Mutiny instead. Uh, (laughs) The way it usually works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Uh, They also do a couple of live events every year. The last one was actually this past week. The next one is Star Raiders, which will be in theaters nationwide June 6th and 11th, so coming up pretty soon. Uh, And to find out all the theaters that you can see it in and uh, to find the movies that they have riffed, you can go to f5live.tv slash rifftracks with an X. I don't even know what is happening in this preview. I've been watching it the entire the entire promo and I still don't know what's happening. A little girl seems to be pointing at a drawing of teeth. Anyway, uh, whatever. <laughs> um is it Star Raiders or Space Raiders? 
I don't know. I think it said Space <laughs> Raiders. Ah, uh, because that's the old one. Star Raiders is a movie from like two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Uh, space. Oh no, Space Mutiny. Oh, oh, Star. Oh, the live one, Star Raiders. Uh, Star Raiders. Sorry. I didn't realize that Space Mutiny and Star Raiders they got mixed up in my head. Anyway, so um, uh, jumping the gun on our next promo a little bit. Uh, um, obviously, we say it every week. Uh, we all know your basic, your basic benefit for uh, Amazon Prime, and that's two-day shipping. But that's about to change. We know that uh, Amazon has been offering one-day shipping on. A number of products in their catalog and um, for some people you can even get uh, as quick as two hour shipping which is crazy um, and Amazon intends to expand that to the majority of their catalog that is currently covered by Prime uh, the one day not the two hour uh, they, they plan to extend the one day shipping to the majority of their Prime catalog over the next uh, year or so and they have actually begun that process already. This quarter alone, they spent around $800 million in preparation of their infrastructure for this change. And as a result of the infrastructure upgrades that they have put into place, they have actually removed one of the biggest annoyances of the one-day shipping uh, option, the $35 minimum purchase. Uh, oh, yep. really? Yes. Yes. The the uh, $35 minimum purchase is now gone on almost all of the one-day shipping uh, options. And uh, they plan over the next 12 or so months to expand, to expand that catalog to include most of the Prime products, which, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Yes. Yes, it is. I remember a few months ago, I forget what it was that I wanted to have it in order to work on it with it on like the weekend or something. Uh And so I I wanted to get the one day shipping and it was like, oh, I got to throw in some other things to get to the thirty five dollars. Yes. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it, it really already feels like for a lot of things. You're just better off, and it's a little scary because what does that mean for competition? You're just better off getting it from Amazon than having to go out to the store. And if you only have to wait a day, like, you yeah. know, what's you know what's to wait, right? <laughs> like, um, Am- so- Amazon has definitely um, has definitely helped to to calm the the American desire for uh, instant gratification. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, why, you know, it, it, there's certainly been things where it's like, oh man, I got to get this, like, oh, you know, I want this to be able to work on a project on the weekend. I better order it by Wednesday or something or, or, you uh-huh. know, if I want to, want to have it. So, or you've got to go def- find that one that is one day shipping and get up to the right. $35 and right. So I, it certainly would tempt me to, to buy more stuff from Amazon and stuff where it's like, Oh, you know, maybe right. 
if I don't get to work with this this weekend, maybe I won't even bother with it. You know, like, oh, you know, yeah, maybe my son and I can have, can play a new video game this weekend. Let me order it. So, like, uh, that's probably a bad example because most of that you could do digitally anyway. But, um, you know, maybe we need these new this new uh, robot kit, you know, do this weekend. Oh, okay. Now we can order it. So, right. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely, um, it definitely, definitely makes, uh, makes it more and more likely that people will buy things from Amazon. Yes, indeed. Um, you know, now here's the thing. Not everybody's happy about this. The, uh, retail wholesale and department store union, um, who has always been uh, against basically Amazon uh, in general, but in particular, anytime Amazon tries to upgrade their customer experience, uh, this particular union is always the most vocal. Um, they're saying that with uh, one day shipping, the the order load will be too much for warehouse workers, which. I, it's going to ship a day earlier, but it doesn't change the order number that a particular warehouse person is handling. You, right? Like, you're just going to process the orders a day earlier in, I, in my I, head. I, I don't really know how it works. I mean, I don't know if it means that, like, they're processing them faster or that they're just making sure that whoever is providing the shipping is, I mean, cause Amazon doesn't do its own. Right. I mean, although it's, a, I'm a little confused now about who's actually delivering the Amazon stuff. It all depends. Um, a yeah. lot of times the one day shipping is being done through their, oh, I can't remember what it's called. Their version of Uber eats. Uh, I can't think they've got a brand name for it that I can't think of what it's called. Um, but they've got their own like internal version of, of like Uber eats where Amazon says, Hey, we've got things and somebody accepts the order and then goes and delivers them. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I found a lot of the time things, but I've had delivered from Amazon lately. It doesn't seem to be coming from like UPS or the post office or FedEx uh, you know, it seems uh -huh. to be like, just like some random person. And uh -huh. I'm not really sure how it happens. Uh, so uh, I don't know, but that that may be true, I guess, if they're if the warehouse is in your town. But like Amazon, I like how much of Amazon's inventory is is within driving distance right. of my yeah. of my house. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be interesting. To, and that's the thing that they're talking about, right? That's what the $800 million in this last quarter alone is all about, is is trying to up that infrastructure so that so that they can be prepared for this. Now, what that means, I don't know. I listened to the, to the earnings call, and they did not get into extreme detail on exactly what all that means or exactly what they're getting themselves into here. Uh, they were pretty vague, except on the details of of money and like a, a timetable that they want it to be in place by about this time next year. 
but what that means, I have no idea. Well, it's all good for consumers, I guess. Indeed. But, uh, you know, obviously there will be people who will be concerned about uh, the impact on the environment because you already there's an option on Amazon to get all of your deliveries on one day of the week. Uh Yeah. um, Which kind of defeats this whole one day thing. Right. Um, Like, oh, just anything out of Amazon delivered on Tuesday. Um, Although it's not really clear if they did that, whether all that stuff is still just coming into an area near you mm-hmm. or, or whether they're not, it's not actually going to leave the various warehouses. Uh, you know, I don't know, but, um, so there, I'm sure there'll be people who are concerned about the, uh, carbon impact. And then, sure. uh, as far as like competing with retail stores, I think they, I I mean, it's obviously more compelling, but there's still a lot of things that Amazon is not a good thing, place to order from, right? Yes. It's good, really good for some things and not good for others. Like I find it's not a very good place to get clothing. Uh, It's not a very good place to get, to get food. Even like, even like packaged food tends to be way more expensive and uh, worse selection on Amazon uh, than in the grocery store, uh, for, for what I've looked yeah. for. Yeah. So I have, I have a single food item that I order on Amazon. And it's only because I can't get it anywhere else, but, but outside of that, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. There are certainly whole product categories that are mostly skippable on Amazon. Yeah. I mean, maybe someday they'll get all that right because they're probably leaving money on the table by not doing it very well. But right now, there's definitely a lot of room for people to still be buying things from the local store. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, so I I definitely don't think that this is going to undermine local retail any more than Amazon has already because these product categories aren't getting better on price or convenience, so... Anyway, uh, it's definitely interesting. Uh, we will, will be obviously we'll be keeping a closer eye on it than, than most because uh, of what's about to happen here in a second. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. Here we go. As you know, your basic benefit is uh, two-day shipping, soon to be one-day shipping on uh, on a majority of the catalog. But did you know there are other benefits as well? Uh, first, of course, is um, Amazon Music, which uh, Amazon Prime Music, which gives you several several million tracks that you can stream for free as part of your subscription. There's Avram's favorite, Amazon Prime Video, which uh, gives you movies, TV, and documentaries, both original and uh, licensed uh, content available, again, as part of your subscription. Then there's my favorite benefit, which is Twitch Prime, which gives you a number of things, including uh, one free subscription to a Twitch channel of your choosing. You can use that to subscribe to Plug Hits Live or any other streamer that you like. You also get free games and in-game loot every month. Um, 
There's a number of cool games out there right now, but if you're a World of Tanks fan, there's uh, there's in-game loot for that and a bunch of others. And then the current uh, limited time benefit, which is if you're a Switch owner, you can get Nintendo Switch Online for free for a year just by having a, um, a Twitch Prime subscription. And there's a whole bunch of other benefits as well. And we've made these things as easy for you as we can uh, with a handy landing page with all of the benefits and a 30-day free trial if you're not already a subscriber by going to f5live.tv slash prime. By the way, I saw like the most amazing movie on Prime uh, just two days ago. Uh, I really recommend if anyone hasn't seen it that they watch Annihilation, which is on Prime. Did you post about that on Facebook? I did. Okay. I knew somebody did, and I actually added it to my... (laughs) It was me. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. I was going to say, I, what just happened that somebody else has mentioned this in no, such a short... No, it, 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 it was me, but I didn't say it to the audience, so now I'm yeah. saying it to the audience. That movie is, like, creepy, like, creepy and fascinating at the same time, and, uh, like, it left the theater so fast, nobody knew it was there, but an all-star cast, I definitely recommend people, people watch Annihilation, especially if you have Prime prime video excellent um it's uh it's in our in my uh in my queue to watch so Um, and when you watch it you have to tell me what you think happened at the end oh well i can't now i can't wait to find out it's what this is all about so that's the thing it's that kind of movie where you'll be at the discussing at the end whether something is or isn't the case excellent i can't wait um that might be what i do while tonight's episode is rendering and uploading Uh, (laughs) okay so um obviously we all remember movie pass and the weird disaster that has been uh that ride over the last year or so i guess it's been a little longer than that uh the end of last year another company decided to throw their hat into the ring um they're, they're a uh, European company that started in 2014 with a very similar business model to what MoviePass was trying to do here in the United States, um, Cinemia. And they came to the United States in September of last year with a, an altered version of MoviePass's uh, business model, the alteration being that it was $30 a month instead of $10 a month for, um, for movie tickets. They announced this week that, uh, bye-bye, they're leaving the United States uh, because they simply cannot find a way forward uh, to profitability, which, of course not, um, for all the same reasons that MoviePass didn't work, um, except for the price. With MoviePass, um, for both companies, neither one of them was getting a price any different than retail. And so if you've been to the movies anytime recently, you know that movie passes $10 a month, you buy one ticket and you have put them in the hole. So there was no no way for them to succeed. And then with with uh Cinemia at least with $30 a month, it would take maybe to the third ticket unless you're in Abram's neck of the woods. It would take until the third <laughs> third ticket before they were in the hole but it's only the third ticket that's that i mean that's 
that's crazy. If you go see three movies, you've already put their subscription in the hole. There was absolutely no way to succeed with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, the only way this is going to work is if the theater chain is if the theater chain runs it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And interestingly enough, um, they actually said that in what is kind of their concession speech. Uh, they said, thanks to the cost, what? Thanks to the cost advantage and cross sell opportunities movie theaters will be prominent in the movie ticket subscription economy, which is exactly what, what Abram's saying is that the theater groups are the only ones who can succeed here because they're the only ones who get a different price on the movie tickets because both movie pass and cinemia were paying retail. Whereas for say Cobb or AMC or somebody like that, you know their costs are different on the ticket they can they can take that it's the amazon approach right can they can they take the hit on the the people who are going to use it a lot to get the benefit the, to get the revenue from the people who aren't which is which is the whole you know prime subscription concept yeah, I guess one thing I wonder about is, and I don't really know the economics of this, what percentage of the ticket sales has to go to the movie, uh, to the to the movie studio versus the the movie theater? Um, it's a complicated question, uh, <laughs> because it depends on the studio, it depends on the film, um. In, and I think it's in open some it. cases you buy the reel, and in some cases you rent the reel and pay a royalty. It's 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 a very complex industry. Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll have to see if movie theater chains are able to take advantage. Yeah, for sure. We we've heard rumors that uh, companies like AMC are working on on something like this, uh, which wouldn't be surprising because they've got a pretty good rewards program right now. So, you know, turning turning this in, the rewards program into something like this might, might work out. Um, and if anybody outside of the theaters could pull it off, it might be Fandango because they've already gotten in to the movie theaters where tickets are purchased for less than retail. So, you know, there, there are possibilities here. But this isn't an industry where just like a company can go, you know what we're going to do? That's not how the movie theater industry works because it is what I would call chaos. And that is our show. Uh, for those of you who joined us live and put up with the weirdness that was our technical difficulties tonight, thank you. Um, if you didn't join us live and would like to in the future, Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us uh, is the best way to do that. You can see all the different ways that you can uh, join us live uh, and chat with us in the studio, which, um, Avram, we're going to pull out uh, something from the past here in just a second and answer some questions from the chat room as part of our closing. Um, if you're not hey. able, if you're not able to join us live, that's okay as well. Plugkidslive.com/slash/subscribe, and there you can see all of our shows, some of which are live, some of which are not, uh, and all of the different ways that you can subscribe to those as well, including 
uh, F5 Live and the Pilch Point from this evening, uh, first looks, our special events feed, and a whole lot more, including uh, Plug Hits Live Unboxed, where we opened up uh, this microphone, and uh, it's for compatriots who are here in the studio. Uh, before we go, though, let's uh, let's respond to the let's respond to the chat room here. So there was a question about uh, virtual reality on um, on Windows 10, and uh, the answer is yes. There's virtual reality on Windows 10. There's a couple of ways to do it: Steam VR, um, Oculus, and of course Windows Mixed Reality. Um, all of those platforms are all available through. Uh, through Windows 10, and um, at this point, seem to almost be cross-compatible, at least with the Vive, which seems to be able to access uh, Steam, Oculus, Vive port, and Windows Mixed Reality. So, <laughs> Avram has always recommended that hardware, and it seems to be getting better. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people like Oculus too, I guess. But uh, Windows Mixed Reality is really not good, so I, I can't recommend that. But if you've got if you've got a Vive, you get all of the store options, so it's it's probably a pretty good bet. And uh, is Windows 10 a good computer to buy? Well, Windows 10 isn't a computer; it's the operating system that runs on the computer. There are uh, there are some that are good buys and some that are not, right, Abram? Yeah, yeah, you really gotta, obviously, the majority of computers sold today have Windows 10 on them. Yeah. So, uh, the only other choice really is to get a, a Mac. Uh, so, I mean, yes, you could, I, if you want to be completist, there are a handful of computers sold with Linux on them, but uh, the majority of people are going to buy uh, something with Windows or Mac, and, and Windows takes up the majority of, of that ecosystem. So what you really should be doing is figuring out, well, what kind of what kind of computer do I do I want? What's my budget? Um, you know, do uh, what's my budget? What do I need to do with it? And and our our good friends at LaptopMag.com and a very yes. very brilliant uh, person who used to work over there uh, put <laughs> put together. Yeah, so there's a lot of a laptop finder. A lot of, there's a lot of laptop buying guides and a laptop finder at uh, laptopmag.com, which where I used to work. Uh, Tom's Hardware, we have a buying guide specifically for gaming laptops. And by the way, if you're gaming, then you definitely should not consider a Mac. Um, so, you, yeah, it you really all depends you, on needs. You don't think that uh, 3% of uh, all the games released is enough of a catalog to consider? <laughs> no. Oh, hmm. interesting. Um is every game going to be cross-platform? No. Um, and it doesn't matter what question you're asking there. The answer to it is no. Um, Sony is very against cross-platform game play. So if you're on Sony on a PlayStation, you're not going to be playing with people on PC or, um, or mobile or Xbox. And uh, there will always be exclusives uh, to consoles or PC. Some stuff is only going to come to PC because building for a PC is way cheaper and distributing through uh, something like like Steam is almost free for a distributor, uh, like an indie company. And then uh, you're always going to have games that are made by the companies, right? Microsoft Studios is has you know big titles that are 
you're never going to see on PlayStation and vice versa. You're never going to oh, see. Oh, and don't forget Nintendo. Yeah, and, and Nintendo is going to be the same way. You're never going to see Mario on an Xbox. Although, weirdly, you see Sonic on an Xbox, which is um, interesting considering Nintendo's relationship there. But uh, whatever. Anyway, um, so that's... Uh, I guess we'll do this once again. That's our show. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, and uh, I guess we've got normal show for a while. So, huzzah. So, we will see you guys back uh, next week. On behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.